Hi everyone, I'm Jessica. And I'm Morgan. You are listening to Suspicion. Jess, you did a great job with the Kaylee Anthony case. Now I wanted to tell you about a story that I remember seeing and then it took a long time for it to come to an end and I would click, 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 click research as things started to come out. And this story is, you know how everybody kind of has that genre of true crime that they go into, whether it be, you know, serial killers or cults or whatever. For some reason, I am most fascinated by relationship murders. Love Gone Wrong episode was your selection. I I don't know what it is, but for some reason, it's like just it's so interesting to me that you know somebody and you've been with them for so long and then all of a sudden it's something switches. That is interesting because you assume you don't marry someone because you think they may murder you. Exactly. Exactly. On that note, this is the story of Michelle McNeil. Martin McNeil, a wealthy doctor and his wife, Michelle, a former beauty queen, lived in Pleasant Grove, Utah. Michelle met Martin at an event for young Mormon singles and were married when she was 21. Dang, that's young. I guess our parents are young. Yeah, our parents are young. Yeah. I just can't imagine that. I know, right? Ooh, weird. She gave birth to four kids in five years. Four different kids, not like twins or anything. Yeah. Wait, also I read ahead. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, your face. Okay, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. So she gave birth to four kids in five years. Then because she was such a devoted mother and she just loved families and she wanted to have a big family, they adopted four more children, including three sisters from the Ukraine. Eight kids. That's a lot of children. That's a lot of children. I mean, there was a there was a, a significant age gap, um, so it did make it a little bit dif- different. So, like the older children, McNeil help. childrens helped out a lot. Um, but yeah, that's eight children. That's a lot. That's a lot of children. Mm-hmm. By all accounts, they had a wonderful life together. They were devoted parents, members of their community. However. Things changed when Michelle turned 50 in 2007. At this time, it seemed like Martin himself was going through his own kind of midlife crisis. His daughters mentioned that he started doing excessive exercise. He would go to tanning salons. He would disappear for long stretches of time. What's a long stretch? Like days, days, a couple, like a day, at least a day. That's um, one of his daughters actually said that you would be talking to him, and all of a sudden he would get down and start doing push-ups. He was obsessive about the way he was looking. Yeah. Okay. Michelle. So of screams, course, 
signs of an affair. Yes, okay. and Michelle believed that too. She did some digging, and she found that he would have these long phone calls with a woman in the middle of the night. And so her and her daughter, they actually called the number, and they found out it was this woman named Gypsy. And we'll get to Gypsy a little bit later. When Martin was confronted by Michelle about these phone calls, he said that she was a patient and that there's nothing going on. She just needed his help. And I could see that if you're a therapist. Right. But what did he practice? Uh, he was an osteopathic physician. Okay. Mm -hmm. After this confrontation, Martin then came back to Michelle and said that, you know, they're both getting older and he, he's really trying to, you know, work on his physique. And so, you know, maybe this former beauty queen, Michelle, who has had four children and adopted four more, you know, she should get a facelift to make herself look younger. Heck no. One time I asked Alex if I should get dressed up more because I'm constantly in loungewear. You are a loungewear queen. Yes. And he goes, he goes, no, because that's not you. Aww. Can you imagine somebody telling you to get a facelift? <laughs> Her self-esteem must have been shattered. It's absurd. That's not right. No, that's so mean yeah. and controlling. She, however, reluctant, reluctant, blah. she, however, agrees. And she Makes wanted you to wonder what this relationship was like. I know. It's, it's really kind of sad. Um, she wanted to wait until the summer because then her daughters and her older uh, kids would be, you know, out of school and stuff, out of college, so they could help take care of her. Mm -hmm. But within a week of the initial consultation, the surgery was scheduled. Did and that was Martin. Okay. That was my question. Yes. He was like, let's, let's just get it done. Let's just, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. What does a facelift entail? I don't want to know. Oh, I looked it up. I don't want to know. Right? I don't want to know. Basically, you know when you, like, take a shower and you wash your face and you haven't put lotion on and your face feels super tight? Yeah. That's basically what, like, a facelift does. But like they like make cuts and yeah pull and yeah yep 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 and I don't like medical stuff basically take out stuff no from underneath. No, no, yeah yeah okay. no no all right sorry okay. sorry sorry I know I looked it up for this but I knew you wouldn't want to hear it. yeah on April third two thousand and seven Michelle went for the facelift procedure and one of her older daughters Alexis she had also attended the consultations with the surgeon and she was actually in school. In medical school oh. to be a doctor cool. and she says that while they were speaking with the surgeon her father insisted that Michelle be prescribed a combination of powerful painkillers and sedatives um, these included Percocet, Lortab, Ambien, and Valium which are almost never administered for the recovery from this kind of procedure. Okay, so the surgeon shouldn't have done it. Yes. However, 
because Martin was himself a respected doctor in the community, the surgeon kind of took his word and mm, okay. And this also makes me think of the the Gypsy Blanchard case that Aaron and I did because because in that case a lot of the times Aaron and I kept saying why would doctors, you know, prescribe these medications to Gypsy without any proof that she's actually going through this. And I, it seems like if you're a charismatic person who seems to know what you're talking about, you can see, I understand. I know. I mean, we talk about our mom a lot, but she's also a real, you know, strong advocate for her own health care. Yes. And she does a lot of research and she has diagnosed conditions of hers rightfully and conditions of of ours exactly so i i know there's some you know it has to be some kind of collaboration between patient and doctor yes but also there's some things that are just dangerous mm -hmm. and this seems dangerous it definitely is and you would know from the get-go that these kinds of medicines put together it's not bad news yeah I mean, it what, is. Valium is anti-anxiety, Ambien sleeping, mm -hmm. Percocet is pain, and I have mm -hmm. no idea what Lortab yeah. is. Yeah, so it's all just, like, all over the Everything. Board. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, Their daughter, Alexis, also wanted to help care for her mother at home. But the day that Michelle was brought home after the surgery, her father insisted that Alexis go home. He said, you know, you, you look tired. You need to rest. I can take care of her. Everything's fine. Okay, and it's your dad, okay. so. Yeah. Reasonable. But when Alexis went over the next day, she claims that her mom was so sedated and out of it that it was cause for concern. And she even says that her mom was telling her that her dad kept increasing her medications. So at first would be giving her, you know, like four pills. But then a few hours later, it'd be six. And then a few hours later, it'd be more. But because Michelle, you know, it's your face, she didn't, she, she didn't know like how many of which pill she was getting. Right. So was she getting, you know, just problematic. Advil or was she getting, you know. But if your husband's a trusted doctor, you think I don't need to be so concerned about my care procedure. Because like personally, exactly. I would be very involved with what medications I'm mm -hmm. taking in my care. But I guess if your husband's a doctor, you're like, oh, he knows what he's doing. So I'll let him exactly. take care of me and I'll, you know, relax and recover. Exactly. And it's, it's your husband. Exactly. You know? After Alexis, she forced her father to give her the care. And so she started to take over. And within the couple of weeks that Alexis was really involved, Michelle seemed to be recovering well. Basically, everything I got was from ABC News. This um, man named John Meyerson, he did a two-parter on this whole case and then all of the other excess stuff I got was from ABC News. Okay. So they covered this. In Thank depth. you, ABC News. Yes. 
Um, so Alexis did an interview with ABC News, and she said that while she was helping her mother um, recover, quote, she started to cry. My mother said, if anything happens to me, make sure it wasn't your dad. Alexis said, I kind of got upset. I said, Mom, what do you mean? And she just said, you know, make sure if anything happens to me, it wasn't your dad, unquote. I'm sorry, I just remembered this case. Oh, yeah? Yes. Uh-huh. Because of, and I'm kind of skipping ahead reading, and I read the name of one of the other daughters. Yes. And I remember yes. that name because I remember I really liked it. Yes. Um, this is very upsetting. I can't imagine if, like, mom said that to us. Oh, oh, my God. It's, it's so hard because... And what would you, like, how would you go home after this? I like, know. Like, then do you think... Be like, oh my gosh, my mom's just being crazy. I think you know, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, oh, she's just like really emotional and all over the place. Because that's what I would think too. I would never think. But also, if if mom came to us and said that dad told her that she should probably get a facelift. I know and, you're right. You're yeah. right. But also before this too, Michelle had confided in her and he two had an daughters. Affair. Well, she had confided in her two daughters that she thought he was having an affair with this woman named Gypsy. So she had already told them about her suspicions. So, mi- suspicion? <laughs> her suspicion. <laughs> yeah. But so you're that right. on top of this, so on this top is of a the building. This yeah, is a building. It is. Okay. It is a building. Yep. However, like we said, you know. What are you going to do at this point? So on the morning of April 11th, um, Alexis has already been home by herself a few days. They don't really say, like, what she was doing. But, I mean, she was in medical school at the time, so she's probably super busy. On the morning of April 11th, 2007, Martin picked up his six-year-old adopted daughter, Ada, from school And they came home, and Martin had already done the morning routines of things, of getting the kids off to school and, you know, and then picking this kid up. And he asked her to run upstairs and check on her mom, check on Michelle. Ada went upstairs, and she found her laying in the bathtub, unconscious, not moving. With water in it or no water? With water in it. Okay, okay. Yes. Like head under the water? Yes. Okay. She screamed for her dad, he ran into the bathroom, and he called 911. And this is the beginning where things really start to get interesting. On the 911 call, and you can listen to it if you want, it's a little bit crazy to hear because he's screaming a lot into it. So you can't, you can't Understand. understand. He first says on the call, my wife fell in the bathtub. And the 911 operator asks, is she out of the water? And he says he can't lift her. Even though he's an exercise fiend who drops into push-ups mid-conversation? Yes. Yes. I, yeah. It, I don't know. I don't know how you can't really, like, even, like, well, pull. Maybe if she's slippery? Yeah, she's slippery. Or, you know, with water, sometimes you can get heavy. I think she was in a robe as well. So that could have like in a robe in water. Yes, you'll see. Um, he did, however, have he did claim that he had CPR in progress, 
And the dispatcher kept asking her, asking him. I just him, thought this is why I'm dating Dev because I know he could pull me out of a bathtub. He totally could. <laughs> yeah. Could Alex pull me out of the bathtub? Yes. Yeah, he could. He could. Um, <laughs> so the 911 dispatcher, they're required to, you know, give CPR um, instructions. advice, instructions over the phone. And he would just be like yelling at her, like, I know what I'm doing. I'm a doctor. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. And over the five minutes, over five minutes, he would hang up on the dispatcher three times, which is just weird. I mean, I can understand that you're like, go, you know, you're freaking out. You're, you're trying to revive your wife. You don't know what's happened or what's going on. And I can understand maybe like not responding to the dispatcher. Yes. But to, to actively, actively hang, hang up. up, that's weird. And then actively like get back on the phone. So then he would call back? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, more, there's more things. So he told Ada to go to the neighbors and the neighbor ran over and Martin yelled at her saying, I need a man's help. The neighbor was a woman? Yes. So she went back and got her husband and he came and he helped Martin take Michelle out of the bathtub. But then he claims that Martin was, was acting super weird. And like we've said, we don't want to say, you know, that somebody's grief is different or somebody reacts in a panicked way. I mean, I, I, in some instances, I freeze, mm-hmm. which is not good, but, you know, everybody responds yeah, differently. But the neighbor claims that Martin was, was, he was like doing CPR but then he would stop and be like, my wife, why is this happening? Oh, and going hysterical and then start doing CPR again. And and then would stop. Like, uh, I don't know. I buy it. Yeah. You're like doing it. It's not working. And you start having, you start, like, being hysterical out. and you're like, I can't do it. I'm not helping. I'm not helping. But was he really doing CPR? What the fuck? Was he doing it correctly? Who knows? Are you pulling a me and leaving a teaser here? Yes. Like we it. never really actually find out, but we don't know. Wait, what? So wouldn't you assume yes? You'll see. Okay. Okay. Immediately, though, police did not treat the house as a crime scene. They didn't collect evidence. They believed it was an accident. Um, they only interviewed Martin, who, according to the police report, told him that he had believed that Michelle had passed out while preparing a bath. That's why she had a robe. She, like, fell in. She, like, passed out and fell in. Oh. But they don't know what she looked like when she fell in because he had pulled her out of the tub. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what she looked like. Yeah. And Ada was six. Six. Oh. I know, I know. Wow, that just hit me when she found her mom. I know. That also makes me think, okay, I don't know what the deal is with him, but it makes me think of, um, like in the John Bonet, uh-huh. they have someone else come over yeah. and find the body, and yeah. he made someone else discover the body. You're right on the nose. Mm-hmm. But like you, but, like but you're six-year-old. Six-year-old so okay, but I don't know we if don't Martin know. did well, anything. The medical examiner rules that Michelle McNeil died from natural causes, stating that hypertension and an already existing heart infection oh. called myocarditis 
don't know how that is. Say this probably? Sure. Okay. Had caused Michelle's heart to fail, which then in turn, her heart failed. She fell into the bathtub. Okay. Okay. Police closed the case. Okay. Still, though, Martin's doing some weird things. He immediately arranges a funeral three days after his wife's death, which, okay. But then two days later after her death, he returned to work as the medical director of the Utah State Developmental Center. Okay. Okay. Again, though, throwing yourself into work. Yes. Okay. Okay. He, though, this is where his daughter, yes, this is what, yes, yes. This is where his daughters start to think like, Okay, maybe our mom wasn't just, you know, under the influence of drugs and it was just emotional. Because they told Martin that they were willing to move into the house to help him care for their the younger siblings. And, you know, that he didn't need to hire any, any outside help um, because they were willing to step in. He insisted, though, that the family needed to hire a nanny. And his daughters were like, no, we can help you. Everything's fine. He's like, no, no, no. You guys have lives. We need to hire a nanny. We're going to hire this woman. And they're like, wait, you already have somebody? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already hired someone to help care. Um, This woman named Gypsy Willis. The woman oh, I know. from the phone call. Everyone, I am having a bad habit of I keep reading. I know, I know Morgan, you do, I see. And I just, for like three minutes as she was speaking, just jaw dropped. Uh-huh. Shocked. Maybe I don't remember this story. What? Yes. The, I am, oh, just, I am. Just wait. I'm flabbergasted. Uh-huh. Two weeks after Michelle's death, Gypsy moves into the house. Oh, my. No. Two weeks. Yeah. The woman that Michelle suspected her husband was having an affair with moved into the house two weeks after her death to Mm, take care of the mm, four younger mm. daughters. Oh, no. That's a no from me, dog. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a no for Alexis and Rachel. These are the two um, biological daughters of Martin and Michelle. And from the beginning, they knew that their dad was somewhat to blame. They didn't know what, but they just knew that he had a hand in this. But nobody could prove it. And again, to ABC News, they said, um, Alexa said, I knew that my father had killed my mom, but no one was listening to us. So we had to fight. Go girls. They compiled, along with their aunt, Michelle's sister, they compiled a huge folder filled with reports, police reports, the medical examiner, uh, the list of the medicine she was taking, so their side effects. Did the dad, did Martin know they were doing this or were they doing this on the side? Do you know, were they having any I, contact with him? I don't know, but I think, I think it was to the side because we're going to see a little bit that they, they were still in contact with him specifically because of um, their younger sister. That's what I thought. Yes, yeah. Their younger siblings. So, but I think this was all probably to the side. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
nobody would, you know, stick up for them or believe them until they met a veteran Utah County Attorney's Office investigator, a guy named uh, Doug Whitney. He read the woman's file, all the evidence they themselves compiled, and then he started to do his own research. Don't read ahead. Okay. Did you already? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I'm going to stop looking. I'm going to tilt this towards uh, Yeah, you. tilt it toward me. Because this is where it gets even crazier. Okay. I don't know how that's Whitney, possible. Whitney finds out that when Martin McNeil was 23, he took someone else's transcript to get into medical school in Mexico, where he claims he had stayed there for a year. But in reality, he was only there for a semester. Basically, what he had done was he had used someone else's transcripts that he fixed from college. Okay. Got into medical school in California. Then got a residency in New York, opposite sides of the country, and built his career. He did not have the transcript to get into medical school. Whether it was grades or uh, classes yep. that he took. So he forged his name onto somebody else's and was able to then become a doctor. So he's a fake doctor. Well, he did the med school though, right? Yeah. Okay, but I guess. I see what you're saying. But also... But also, so he had, he had claimed that he had started medical school in Mexico... So he had been there for a year. So when he went to California, oh, he, he picked only up had to, midway or he whatever. Picked up midway, but he had only had a semester. So he he really missed a semester. But no matter what, like he just did, wasn't eligible to get into medical school. I always think this could not happen today. I know. There's no way. It's so on lockdown. Everything. Like taking oh, wow. my teacher's license exams, you go in and you have to each time you go. You have to do a full palm print, palm print. I need to have my ID. Um, they check the ID. They take a photo of me. And if I leave to go to the bathroom, I have to raise my hand. They take me out. I go to the bathroom. I come back. I have to do the same thing over again. Palm print. Yeah. Palm print. Dang. I know. Palm print. Full palm print. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah, you can't do this today. But there is more. Whitney also found out that there had been many other instances where Martin was accused of fraudulent behavior, like writing phony checks. Okay, so he's like a low-level con man. Low-level con man, yes. And so... I love labeling people. I know. I I love saying low-level. I can't I can't just accept, okay, you wrote some fraud joint checks. I'm like, okay, low- I have a label for him. <laughs> low-level con man. And I like how, like, long that title is. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, and then he goes to the top, top of the chain. A couple of months after Michelle's death, Alexis um, got a request from her father. And he said that a family member in Ukraine wanted to take in for the summer the their sixteen year her sixteen year old sister Giselle, uh, one of the older, the I think the oldest adopted child from Ukraine. Okay. So 
a family member in Ukraine was saying that they wanted to take in Giselle for the summer so that she like can... Like a biological relative. Yes. Okay. So that she can kind of, you know, see, like live in Ukraine. Be for, part of the culture. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and hang out with the family. So it'd be like an aunt or something. Okay. Um, and so Martin asked Alexis if she would take Giselle, if she would bring her to Ukraine. And then he said, well, we'll get her at the end of the summer. Alexis took Giselle to Ukraine. Um, but she, Giselle only had her Ukrainian passport and her father, Martin, kept her United States passport. And I wrote, dun, 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 interessant, right? Because... They then used that to keep Giselle in the Ukraine. Wait, what? Because Martin Martin and Gypsy used Giselle's social security number to change Giselle's birth certificate, claiming that Gypsy Willis, his nanny, slash mistress, was actually his daughter, Jillian McNeil. So they changed Giselle's... I am so confused. I know, it's so confusing. Basically, what they did was they sent Giselle back to the Ukraine and used her information, so used her social security number, her United States passport, and her birth certificate to then change it into the new name of a Jillian McNeil instead of a Giselle McNeil who was gypsy. Wait, so he just straight up ditched his daughter. Yes. And then his mistress became why this Jillian McNeil. I'll tell you why. Gypsy had horrible debt and credit. They used Giselle's social security card to open bank accounts in this new Jillian McNeil name. So that Gypsy could get out of her. Wait, I'm like, so creeped out. Creeped out or confused? No, creeped out. Yeah, I know. Wait, now this poor daughter is in the Ukraine on her own, and uh-huh. I just don't understand. Yeah, so Alexis and Rachel, they were both like, when's Giselle coming home? Where's our sister? And dad was like, oh, you know, she's fine. She's fine. She's she's having a good time. Um at one point, they actually, Alexis and Rachel send, I think it was um, a cousin, their their cousin, sent her to go check on Giselle in the Ukraine. And when the cousin got there, she was like, this place is horrifying. Like, like she had nobody really looking out after her. It was, it was just a derelict building. Like, the apartment was horrible. And Giselle was, like, crying, like, I want, I want to come home. I want to come home. But they couldn't, they couldn't bring her home because she didn't have her U.S. passport. Wait, but you can get into the U.S. without a U.S. passport. But her identity was taken by someone else. I'm so confused. But couldn't she come back and be like, oh, I'm Giselle from the Ukraine and on a visa? Yeah, so that's what they eventually did. Okay, so, okay. So, so, okay. So they do get her back. They okay, do get her back good, to the Ukraine, good, okay, good. like immediately. Okay. Alexis and Rachel get her back. Because in 2009, so this happened in 2009, Martin and Gypsy are arrested for fraud because of this, because of the fact that they took 
Martin's daughter's social security number and opened up these bank accounts. Good. Okay. This is messed. It's so complicated. I hope I did a good job explaining it. You are, you it. are. Okay. But I'm just like shocked. And I, I don't know how this happens. And it's weird too that he's trying to claim that his mistress is his daughter. Like yeah, that's gross. weird. And but I mean, we'll see for we'll see something else. Okay. Okay. So Martin and Gypsy are arrested for fraud. Martin pleads guilty to two counts of aggravated identity I'm just thinking, like, now you have to try and climb out of this. Mm -hmm. And she has to do that. Yeah. Like, fix all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's her social security number. Oh, God. Okay, sorry, sorry. That's, like, so irrelevant. Like, it's not the biggest point of the story, but it's just, like, this poor girl is 16, Mm -hmm. and she's, like, her dad's just... her mother. Lost her mother, her dad cast her to the side, like literally got rid of her, mm-hmm. and then took her whole identity, mm-hmm. and now she has to repair it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's so messed so, up. Sorry. Just no, insane. it's a lot. It's a lot. Martin pleads guilty to two counts of aggravated identity theft, and Gypsy pleads guilty to a related fraud charge. They were sent to federal prisons in Texas. Gypsy received a two-year sentence, and Martin received a mandatory four-year sentence. Okay. Okay? In 2012, Martin's released from prison, and then immediately he's charged with first-degree murder and obstruction of justice in the death of his wife, Michelle McNeil. All of that evidence, all of that stuff that Doug Whitney, Rachel, Alexis, everything that they found, the prosecutors were like, okay, yeah, we can go to trial with this. Yeah. So they charge him. During the trial, the main point of contention was Michelle's cause of death. So originally, I had said that um, the medical examiner ruled it as accidental, Mm -hmm. um, saying she had this heart defect. Prosecutors said that Martin persuaded his wife to have the plastic surgery so he could dope her up during the recovery, and then either she would overdose or eventually he's able to drown her in the bathtub, clearing the way for his mistress, Gypsy, to move into the family. I buy it. It's just a very convoluted methodology, but I guess if it had worked for him, it would have worked. It worked for this long. Yes, because it would be an accidental death rather than a full-on, like, oh, my husband, the husband poisoned her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Defense says that Michelle died of her heart problems which caused her to fall into the bathtub and that Martin was not guilty. The coroner later, before the trial, changed his findings from a natural death to undetermined when he they ran a toxicology report that showed the unusual combination of those sedatives and painkillers that we had talked about also including oxycodone. When did they run this? They just waited After. until... How long can you run a toxicology on? I don't know. Someone. 
That's surprising to me. But wrong question. But yeah, but it's also because, like I said, when they got to the home, they thought this was an accidental death, right? An accidental drowning. So the police didn't investigate. But then Alexis and Rachel, they went in and they, you know, got all of the prescriptions from the doctors. So they were able to piece everything together and, and then, then see what was actually in her system. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexis and Rachel, they testify against their father. Gypsy testifies and she claims that she never wanted him to do anything to Michelle, to be with her. She also says that they kept up their relationship when they were both in jail for the fraud. Um, and that she just doesn't think that he would ever be able to do anything. I don't know about this gypsy character. She was never tried for anything relating to the death. I don't know. I don't. What, you think she was involved somehow? I don't think she was. I think. She's just. She's just a mistress. Yeah. Yeah. An interesting character. Exactly. And I mean, I think it's interesting that she would move into the house two weeks after her mother died there. But also they say that she wasn't even really, like, she was there as their, as the younger kid's nanny, nanny quote but unquote. she never really did anything. Yeah. Yeah. She, she like, barely took care of the kids. Feels right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? On, in November of 2013, Martin McNeil was convicted of murder and obstruction of justice and sentenced to 15 years. Okay. This is where I typically jump in and say, like, that is not freaking enough. And I I, yeah. I don't think it's enough. Yeah. But also, I am trying to, like, reframe my thinking and being like, okay, does everyone get locked up for life? I know. Exactly. No, 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 you're right. So I'm trying to, like, tamper that a yeah. little bit. But also, like, what the frick? Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to this trial. Um you know, like, there's reports about was she, was her body outside of the bathtub and just her face or, like, her upper body was in there? But because Martin said that he couldn't get her out, was she fully in the bath? Yeah. Was she face down? How much water was in there? And, you know, all of that stuff went on for a long time. I just didn't really want to get into it because I don't fully understand. The neighbor must have seen her positioning. Yes. So I think that what they came to the conclusion was was that she was fully immersed in right. water. Right. And kind of face down. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of other stuff. At at the trial they mentioned the phony papers that he had done. Um and you know, I think the most powerful piece of evidence was the fact that he um had the surgeon prescribe all of these medications. For and, sure. And I think that the jury felt that even if he didn't physically hold her head underwater, the fact that he... he led to her death. Yes, the fact that he gave her all of these medications. Yep. When he knows better, or he should have known better. Because he's a doctor. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, you know how I said it was? it's weird that he would want his mistress to be, like, known as his daughter? In a 2014 separate trial, 
Martin was also found guilty of sexually abusing his daughter Alexis in May of 2007. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything more on this except for the fact that he was found guilty of abusing his daughter. Sexually abusing. Yes. I know. Then two days before the 10th anniversary of Michelle's murder in 2017, Martin McNeil died apparently by suicide at a Utah State prison. The daughters, Rachel, she is living and working in California. She created a website to honor her mother and another one to gather more information about her father. Wow. To see if, if he's, you know, fraudulent mm-hmm. to anybody else. Dang. Alexis, okay, Alexis graduated from medical school and she took her mother's maiden name because she's so, she says she's so proud to be a doctor that she does ne- she never wants to be called Dr. McNeil. So she's Dr. Somers. Wow. I know, I know. Uh, she got married and she also has custody of nine-year-old Ada and the two, two of the other girls that her parents had adopted oh. from Ukraine, Elle and Sabrina. That's very sweet. Alexis says, and I think this is a good, good thing to start end with um she told abc news quote everything that we knew as a family was destroyed our family has been shattered by a man who we thought we knew and loved but he lived a life of lies and destroyed so many people unquote and again you know jess you did such a good job going deep into the casey anthony story if anybody wants more information i'll also put this on our website of course and on our instagram There is a book by um, author Shanna Hogan, and it's called The Stranger She Loved. That goes really deep into it. I actually started reading it. It's really good. Uh, Dateline does a really good episode. Um, It's season 26, episode 60. It's called Secrets in Pleasant Grove. Unfortunately, I couldn't find it on demand, Mm, but I bet you can find it somewhere else. Um, There's also a really good 2020 on this as well. That was insane. So many times during that story, my job was completely dropped. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like weird because it's got a lot of random twists and turns that don't necessarily focus on the murder or the death, but it's just so interesting. It is. That was crazy. On that note, our organization spotlight for this week is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. They envision a world where all relationships are positive, healthy, and free from violence. They answer the call to support and shift power back to people affected by relationship abuse. If you need to get in contact with the hotline or someone that you know um, could be a victim of domestic abuse, the hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. They also have um, a chat line that you can talk to 24-7. It's at thehotline.org. And again, as usual, we will post uh, links to their website and their chat rooms on our website, sysfishin.com.
And I think we've mentioned this in previous episodes, but I just want to make sure everyone is aware that all of the resources we use in searching um, and researching these cases uh, are also posted in our show posts on our website. So if you're interested in going a little bit more in depth, seeing you know the first sources that we use, um, feel free to check those out. Um, yeah. Yes, definitely. All right. <laughs> Thanks for uh, keeping up. Yeah, that was good, Morg. Um, all right. Well, thank you, everyone. I do uh, want to just give a quick appreciation shout out to everyone who's been listening. Mm -hmm. We've been getting such nice feedback from our friends and family, and we really, really appreciate that. So thank you, everyone, for sticking with us for now mm -hmm. 11 episodes, and we're excited to keep coming back and telling more stories. Please leave us a rating and a review, review. and, and wherever you listen, and please subscribe. And yeah, reach out to us if you have any cases you want us to dig into. Mm -hmm. We're happy to do that. We used a suggestion for episode nine. We will not do Ted Bundy ever. Okay. So don't even. I guess that. we won't. <laughs> yeah, he's he's there's so much on him. Like, I know, I know. I don't I don't need to talk about him. Okay, I guess we're not doing Ted Bundy, but <laughs> otherwise, let us know your suggestions. <laughs> And um, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening and stay suspicious. I'm coming around to it. Yes. <laughs>